What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Running and Gunning Podcast. We're on episode 40 today. It's kind of a landmark for us. Pretty stoked. We got an awesome guest lined up. I'm really, uh, really excited. I actually got to meet this gentleman uh, at the Illinois Deer Classic, and uh, he's a great guy. Got some great products, um, wealth of knowledge, and he's an absolute killer. Getting it done consistently on the mobile style, just like we like. But uh, unfortunately... Logan is not with us tonight. Um, he is working late, uh, so it's just going to be me. Uh, if you're just tuning in for the first time, I'm Justin Signing, and uh, we're we're stoked to have you listening tonight. Let's break it down to this evening with Brian Rogers from Illinois. How you doing, Brian? What's going on, brother? Thanks not much, man. Me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. I'm I'm really stoked to have you on. Uh, you definitely uh, piqued my interest. You know, when we first met, and I was like, oh, that's that guy that killed the 170 this year, right? Eh? And, uh, you know, and then I came over and I got to see some of your products, man. And, uh, you know, you, you're making some really cool, innovative stuff with the 3d printer. And I think it's awesome for the hunting community. It's affordable for a lot of guys and just, uh, some nice tools that really make life easier for guys, whether you're self-filming or whatever you really need to do. But, um, why don't you tell, tell us a little bit about you for guys that might not know who you are. My name's Brian Rogers. Um, you may know me off some of the mobile sites as Brian Douglas. Um, some sometimes people get that confused, so I just always like to clarify that. Uh, same guy, um, just different name on Facebook, you know. And uh, but uh, I uh, grew up hunting public from a very young age, and uh, you know, just have been, always been tore up with deer hunting. Um, but um, over the years of just uh, falling in love with the public land side of things uh, i just every year it just it seems like my uh, my obsession grows more and more and uh eventually i got to the point where i was out scouting you know just as hard as i was hunting and realized that the scouting tools uh were not caught up with the hunting the mobile hunting game um the way i would have liked them to be they were it seemed like we were in the stone age on the uh uh what do you call it, the scouting side of things, and then we were uh, in, you know, the year 3023 when it came to saddle selection and tree stand selection and stuff like that, so I just realized that things were taking way too long um, to do as far as, like, the minuscule things that didn't matter, and what really mattered was just learning and growing and, uh, you know, scouting uh, and uh, covering more ground, so, but uh, I... Um, I've been public land bow hunting since I've been about 15, um, and, uh, killed both my first deer with a bow on public way back when, and, uh, this year, you know, and, uh, the last four years in a row, um, I've tagged out all on public and seven of the eight have been, uh, you know, over Pope and Young, most of them one forties and whatnot, uh, one thirties, one forties. And, uh, I, I try every year and, uh, just kind of attack my weaknesses and figure out where I can get better. And, uh, one of my biggest allies or has become one of my biggest allies has been, uh, uh, historical data. And, uh, I know it's been talked about before, but, um, I really, I really like to pair historical data with, uh, you know, like scouting both preseason, postseason, and in season. And, uh, it helps me put my plan together um, on where I'm going to sit and how I'm going to attack each piece and each sit. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. That's, that's an accomplishment too. I mean, you've been, uh, 
pretty consistent the past few years. It seems like, um, are you kind of staying like near the vicinity of your house just cause like you don't have as much time to get out or are you doing a little bit more broad? Or are you going, uh, for like longer trips, not trying to like give up, you know, too much information, but just curious. Well, no, my exact location that I killed each buck, I'm going to give it out on this uh, podcast. No, just kidding. <laughs> oh, you should write this down, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's, this is it. Yeah, just in. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, uh, the uh, uh, what I what I do is I try and stay. I, I'm not big on because I'm real. I'm, I'm real anal when it comes to having all my gear prepped the mm-hmm. night before. So no matter how tired I am that night, I have to come in and get everything ready for the next hunt so that I can just grab it and go and everything's ready to rock. I wouldn't say that's too out of the norm for most of us kind of crazy fanatical mobile hunters. You know what I mean? That's probably yeah. pretty common knowledge of like your gear, you take it out, you, you know, it ends up in a jumbled mess. And then by the time you get it home, you have to go through and make sure that everything is back to perfect and back to center. But, uh, for me, I'm just not big on, uh, like traveling, and stay in other places and things like that where I don't have everything exactly like I know. I know a lot of guys are really big into the out-of-state hunts, and and someday I will um, get into that for sure. But as of now, it's like I try and I've got so much good public land that basically just encompasses me where I'm at in, in central Illinois that uh, I'm always, I mean, I can go five minutes from my house or I can go two hours from my house, and I've probably got ten different, uh, you know, nice chunks of public that I can hit up. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I'm kind of in the same boat too. You know, there's a ton of public and I've been kind of fortunate this year. I kind of fell into a couple of private pieces. So hopefully I can find one good one. My my mission is to get a good velvet buck this year. So we'll see yeah, what you're, happens. You're Kentucky, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, we, uh, we open up September 3rd this year. So I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, got seven cameras out today. So pretty stoked for that. Um, I got a bunch of deer that I'm trying to keep up with from last year that were like just solid three-year-olds and four-year-olds. So I'm really excited, man. It's like I finally, after moving here, I finally feel like I'm starting to get some history with some deer and it's, it's, you know, becoming more fun again. It was definitely kind of like out of my realm at first. I've always been so used to keeping tabs on certain bucks and stuff. And, you know, when I moved here at first, it was like, oh, well, you ain't going to do that here, you know, start with a fresh slate. So... Yeah. I wanted I wanted to dive in, man. Um, so really, like, what was, like, an example of you, you know, when you had, like, maybe that light bulb moment where, you know, you were like, you know what, I think I need to work on something that will just be an easier way for me to use, like, your GoPro. I know you made an awesome uh, idea for attaching your GoPro, GoPro to, like, just a strap or all kinds of things. I mean, when did that really happen for you, when you were self-filming or what? Uh, yeah, so the, the GoPro, so, um, uh, one of my pet peeves when watching deer hunting videos is, uh, they get great footage right up until the point when they shoot the deer and then it's out of, um, it's out of frame because if you've ever tried to sell film, that's going to happen. I mean, it's not, it's not putting anybody down. Like, you know, most of us are hunters first and, and sell filmers second. So, absolutely, uh, yeah. And, uh, the, but you know, second angle footage really just is awesome as far as just bringing the story together and making it seem just so much more, uh, of a, uh, like a better production quality and stuff like that. So once I started getting into the second angle camera stuff, 
um, I realized that there just really wasn't um, a good way of mounting it, or at least that I liked, um, that I felt like was lightweight, quick, and was maneuverable enough to kind of, you know, fit fit the situation I needed it for. And then once I got the GoPro 360, uh, the reason I say like the out of frame thing is that goes, you know, the 360 cams, I got a remote for it on my wrist. All I got to do when that big bucks comes in, smack that remote, make sure that it's, uh, you know, that I see the record on my wrist and it's go time. Now, if I can't get my main camera on them, I'm not as worried. I don't have that anxiety there of like getting the camera on necessarily. Yeah. Um, and so it's become one of my favorite allies of at least getting the shot. It's not, it's not always the best footage. You would much rather have that, you know, high, high quality 4k footage, but to me, it trumps not having the deer on, um, on frame. So, uh, when I started using that, I was using one of those, uh, what do you call it? Like the little tripod mounts with the legs that like, a te- like wrap around yeah. stuff. Yeah. The and, ones that break like every time you try yes. to use them. Yeah. Yeah. What is it called? The Jobies or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They might yeah, be better than the ones I bought, but yeah. Well, they, they, uh, they're good. They're, they're a little bit heavier and I kind of rigged some loops on my paracord for my attachment where I would put the legs in, but it just, it just had its faults, man. And I was like, I got to have something that is like compact that I can just pull out, throw on. And, um, the other thing is, is I hated fiddling with that screw, um, to put my GoPro in every time. Cause you got to like pull the posts out and it was just yeah. a big pain in the ass. So for me, uh, once I finally, uh, once I like got to thinking about it, what I wanted, and we we developed it, developed that. Um, you know, I, I was I was really really happy with what ended up coming out of it. Yeah, has that been your favorite product you've made yet, or what, what so, would you say? My favorite product is the uh, I would say the um, the laser pointer. Uh, yeah, it was because, pretty cool. Just because even if you didn't buy the mount or the attachment method like that alone saves you a lot of time when you're by yourself and yeah, i agree it's a pretty cool little idea you did too and it's like super fast especially on like a, a even a smaller tree it's like you can just whip that thing in there and then do your little I mean, adjustment before so, all you had was like your phone and you had to kind of guesstimate it and it, it worked yeah. well enough but uh yeah it was just it was just not ideal and now i can just put it up there real quick and then leave and so yeah that was probably the biggest time saver of all because you know when you were hanging cams uh, that was getting down and checking your cam seeing if it was pointed in the right spot and then getting back up took the most time and energy so you putting down even more scent going back and forth five times to uh, make sure your camera's right on yeah yeah and and today I just put up my first three cams and uh, sweet it it poured cats and dogs right afterwards so I mean it was like just dumped like a couple inches it seemed like so uh that was pretty cool how uh, yeah. it ended up working out so we got dumped on man this whole i i would say since friday we probably had like five or six inches of rain down here and um it's great for the crops i feel like this year is gonna be a banner year for like antler growth i would say at least in like my area we had a, a pretty mild winter we've had an awesome spring like tons of rain um tons of good bucks made it through the winter uh I mean, I even got to see one one of the bucks I really wanted to keep up with. You know, like some deer have like a distinct track. 
Mm-hmm. So, like, I called this one was like Funky Foot or something, man. Like, he's got one claw on one side, and he always has like this weird ass kick when he when he's walking. I came across his track, so I know he's around. I think he's like a big. He was like a one forty, one fifty class uh, ten last year, but he was super nocturnal. I don't know, like, drove me nuts. I tried to hunt him, tried getting on him, but just that never. Nice life, man. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was on the neighbors, but God, dude, every time I'd walk over there, it was it's a small farm, so I got to walk across like a part of the bean field, and I'd always see his tracks, and I'm like, this deer's in here like all day. Like I'm like I feel like I'm <laughs> just behind him all the time, but you know it he's is. Fall, what it he's is. following you around. He's hiding behind the trees. He, he is, around. dude. I, I really came to the realization last year that I was being hunted, and I wasn't doing the uh, the hunting the right way, so. Believe this me, I've got, an, I've got an arch nemesis too, buddy. So, do you? <laughs> yeah. Man, I mean, you had a heck of a, a season last year. That buck you shot was beautiful. Um, I got to see him there at the Illinois Deer Classic, and I was pretty impressed. Like, just the mass on that deer was insane. And yeah, he was wild, man. I saw the video. For those of you guys listening, you got to check out what's your YouTube channel, Brian? Yeah, it's Good Sit Mobile, um, and uh, that's also the website. So they they kind of are uh, kind of linked up to each other. You can go to one and get to the other as far as for uh, the products or for the YouTube side of things. Yeah, it was a it was an awesome video, and I saw you had uh, our buddy uh, Derek Malcor uh, help you get that deer out. Was I, yeah. was that? Do you, are you guys friends, or was that like random well, or what? It, it's crazy how, and I said this on their podcast too, but I'm. Like, uh, the, the older you get, the more you realize, like, nothing is by chance, and you just start believing that, like, everything, like, you just start looking back at things and how everything kind of puzzle puzzle piece together, and you just got to believe that there's some force there, you know, pushing yeah. it all together. And uh, he happened, me and him had been kind of talking off and on from the mobile hunter groups and uh, from the, uh, you know, like, we would message sometimes and just kind of random, but, you know, just kind of keep, keep in touch here and there. And, uh, uh, didn't know him that well, but he said, Hey, I'm going to be, um, hunting the same or hunting down at this park. Do you know anything about it? I said, well, yeah, I, I grew up hunting it. So, you know what I mean? I said, I definitely hunt it. If you're here, you need help dragging, or you got any questions, shoot me a holler, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, well, him and his dad were, were staying there and, uh, just so happened that I didn't have anybody else other than my cousin. And, uh, so when I texted him he was he was just happy to help man what a, what a great dude oh yeah absolutely Derek is awesome um, and, and I had no idea that dude was like this uh like what really renowned artist too so uh, yeah. the whole time yeah. like when, when I went back and found that part out about him too I was really really uh like taken back by all of his art yeah we I mean I met him uh the first time I did a podcast with uh okay hunter and we just kind of kept in touch because he's a shed nut like I am I'm I love shed hunting and, oh, that's um, another thing. He pisses he pisses me off with them fucking sheds. <laughs> he he comes to my hood and finds like giant sheds and shit. I couldn't find a shed if that son of a bitch was three foot in front of me. You know what I mean? Oh man, yeah. So that's... he's he's like he's like making these shed videos where he's got thirty sheds and he's like, oh yeah, you know, I found this one here and I'm like, you son of a gun. You're like, like I know exactly where him. you're at, you little yeah. son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I was like, don't worry, I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> <laughs> that's right but no no that's, I, right. It, that's all in fun i i really really uh uh like salt of the earth couldn't ask for a better dude and i was really happy to like the cool thing that came out of that that hunt was that friendship like getting to be yeah. you know us getting to meet and uh you know stuff like that yeah 
I mean, I I met a guy, uh, for one of my friends now that I've met here, I met him out on the lake one day, and we just talked about hunting, right? We're just messaging back and forth. Nothing, not like we're like good buddies or anything. And, man, he got in a pinch. He shot this big velvet buck, and he's like, Justin, I need you to help me, man. I, I ain't got nobody to help me drag this deer out. And I, I don't want to drag him out of the bottom now. He's like, look, <laughs> look, I think I need you to help me keep him out on on the ground and he's on a hillside and like went out there we've been best friends ever since I, I swear i probably keep up with him a couple times a week but diehard hunter and it's just that's just how it is man like you can't beat them friendships you make but you know when both you are diehard hunters it's just uh it's an awesome thing but not well, to go down a, cool, a rabbit hole a cool thing that happened in between because i killed a i killed a really nice one on the 27th the day that um uh, Derek and his dad actually showed up to the park. Yeah, I think that was right. And then, so I killed a nice deer. And then a couple days later, I went back out and ended up when I was leaving, running into this guy. And uh, I ran into these two guys, one guy that I had already known from hunting this area and another guy. And we all happened to converge at this same little spot on this trail. We're like, And it was really weird how it happened. Like I was going over to hide my stand in some brush to go up and check a camera and mm-hmm. i was like nobody's gonna see it and no sir no sooner did i uh say that in my head than i turn around and there's one dude that i know walking up on me and then we're standing there talking and another dude walks up and uh we all get to talking and uh kind of you know introducing ourselves to the new guy and and just catching up and uh then i get to talking you know i kind of start probing obviously where are you guys hunting yada yada and uh, one dude's hunting up on this ridge where I got my cam and I said man I said since he was going up there anyway I said man there's this funky buck man he's he's got a bunch of points and he's like he pulls out his phone and he shows me a deadhead and it was him and he had found he had found him the previous year and so just me having that conversation with him I was able to knock that uh that deer off the hit list and not waste any time up on that ridge yeah uh, and also get some closure and get to actually, you know, see the deer and like, uh, you know, uh, find out what he was, what he scored, all that cool stuff. Kind of bittersweet. Yeah. Well, and, and then I get to talking to the dude and more and more as I talk to him, I thought I had all these places I'd been hunting to myself and he had been in there like the week before or this and that. And so come to find out me and him's been right on top of each other in every single spot. And like, and when I shot my big buck, I sent him the video and he like circles where he thinks I shot it. And it was like money. It was like right on. He's like, yeah, I missed that deer four days before in that same spot, yada, yada or something. So, and now me and him are super tight as far yeah. as like sharing information and shit. But, um, so you, so I can't y'all get a scrap these. match over a 200 or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing is like, uh, I don't have to be the man. That's the thing is I, I just like seeing other people succeed too. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. I th- I think that uh, there's plenty of big bucks, and if you don't, if somebody else kills that buck, you just weren't meant to kill that buck. It's no, not, I agree. Uh, it, it's not like um, just because you was chasing him that you get you get rights to him or anything. I love your attitude, man. More people need to be that way. But yeah, there, I think there's a lot of hunters out there that think they got their name tag on a deer, and it's like, yeah, especially on public, man. Like, just get rid of that attitude out, uh, out there, guys. <laughs> Well, you you got to let it roll off your back, or else if you let every little oh, thing yeah. get to you, you're never gonna you're never gonna roll that you're never gonna roll that energy into killing one because you're just gonna be dwelling on all the bad stuff. Yeah, 
So was that your first Boone and Crockett buck you've shot? Yes. And yeah. uh, it's a joke in our Snapchat group because I always tell them that there's really no such thing as a gross Booner, but uh, it's uh, because, you know, it was it was net like 157. So, yeah. but it, it, I always wanted to break the 170 mark. And uh, not that I, like I said, I don't really care about antler inches, but since I was a little kid, I always looked at the 170 as the mark to break for getting a really, really big buck. So, yeah, same. Likewise, man, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm hoping for it. Want to yeah. kill one in velvet this year, hopefully. I, hey, I'm rooting for you, man. I, I, I like I said, I, I watched both your videos and I thought they were really well done. And oh, thank uh, you, that sir. One where, that one where your really weird buck, you shot him and he ran over just over the hill and died. That was pretty epic footage, too. Thank you, thank you, man. Was that like, was hard. Was, I, I was so stoked, and I mean, I mean, you could tell, like, almost, you know, I kind of hate my reactions. Um, I'll be honest with you, but it's just real, man. Like. I feel like I always like struggle and then finally when it happens and all my buddies just always are talking shit to me. Cause they're like, I don't know why you talk about how you struggle so much, man. You always like killing something decent. And it's like, you guys just aren't on the background seeing all the work that goes in before that moment. And it's like to, to actually watch one go down. It's just, you know, that, you know, it's the biggest ad- adrenaline dump there is. Cause you're like, all right, I don't have to worry about nothing. Like, I know I made a good shot, you know, and when you see him crash, it's just nothing better. But I appreciate I, uh, the compliment. Thank you. My my cousin, uh, Brian uh, Johnson, he's the one you'll see in a lot of my videos. Um, he's a, he's a real big dude. Um, if you if you watch any of them, he's the big guy in the videos, and uh, he he immediately made no less than like three memes out of my face from the video when I killed my boomer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm sure i'm sure one was one was the like i had like this sad cry face and he was like is he down you know like, uh-huh. uh, yeah we like all Luke get Ryan, that. and right. uh, they were pretty epic memes actually and uh so uh yeah I, I love that stuff man but yeah you always you always watch back and go like <laughs> what the what the hell was i thinking you know because right uh and, and when you're making those videos, you always wish you could go back and like change camera angles and get more of this and that, but your adrenaline is just through the roof, man. Absolutely, man. I mean, I always look back and I'm like, I wish I would have had my GoPro. And that's why, that's exactly why I bought your GoPro mount. Cause I was like, you know what? There's just too many times that I don't use it because it's a pain in the ass to mount the damn, I don't want to screw it in the tree. I don't want to dick with this or that. I just want to hunt when I'm set up and I'm already got my camera I don't know. Like, I've thought about it, and I'm like, man, I could probably just reenact that, you know, that piece of footage of me drawing back and shooting or something, but I don't know. Is it worth getting the 360? Like, I've been on the fence about that. Yeah, so here's the deal, man. It's a a decent investment up front, but um, the battery life is really good for an action camera, and what I do is I always carry the, the head mount with me, um, so that in the event that like it's raining and I, I can't, uh, like have my main, uh, angle camera, or if, um, for some reason I get down and have to go tracking or stalking, it's really great footage for that. Like you saw in the video where I'm like looking for the arrow, uh, yeah. that, you know, it's just really cool footage and you, you never miss anything cause you can always zoom around like the whole thing. And yeah. so, uh, for me, it's become more important than my main angle camera because I know as long as I have that, I'm not going to miss, you know, what's anything that's going on. So I can get both me and it. Whereas my main angle camera gets really great footage of just what I'm pointing it at. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think this year I just recently upgraded my phone, and I am going to be doing a lot more. I think I'm going to do a lot of my interview videos on my phone, and That's then do, do like do a lot of brief like B roll footage with it. I think that'll be a lot easier. And the the quality on these camera like on the cameras now is like crazy to me. Um, so I don't think that'll be an issue. And then I got a, a Sony A6400. I'm switching up this year. And I'm nervous about it. I'll be dead honest, like with self filming, because there's just so many more settings, and I'm just nervous. Like a deer's gonna come in, and it'll be on auto, and it'll focus on the wrong thing, and I'll butcher but, it. So but here's what here's what I did. Um, a lot of guys. So I have the S21, and there's a couple new versions now. But a lot mm. of guys are self filming with that, and it's definitely a good option. But um, for me, I'm always on my phone, and yeah. so. I like to have my camera in the ready position, so it just doesn't make sense to me, even though I know a lot of guys like it. So yeah. I got the ZV-1, um, and the ZV-1, its limitations are that it doesn't zoom very far, and it's got just a little bit of a loud zoom. But uh, you can hook it up to a remote, and it's still really not much heavier than a phone. And uh, so then anything that I, for some reason, can't get on that or can't that I need to zoom in on, I just pull my phone out zoom way in and then also if something's coming in i've got my gopro running so those are the yeah. three things that i tend to carry with me i got you yeah it's it's really cool i love seeing uh different like self-filmers you know their setups and just i love asking questions like that because you know it's it's kind of different you don't really come across that many people that are doing it um i mean obviously you can go on forums and and check out everybody and i'd say a majority of guys now I really do care for that one. I saw a magnetic mount that's uh, like on your phone case that you yep. can just slap on there. And some of my buddies are using little remotes in their pocket. So like when you click the record mode or, you know, button on, on the remote, it'll automatically, you could just slap your phone on the magnet on the mount. And then I don't yeah, know. I, I saw, I saw Justin Hollins were talking about that on something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of cool because it has, that handle so if you wanted to pick it up you could you could uh just kind of you know use that to stabilize and then uh um, yeah. you know get stuff that you can't get down on your arm but again yeah. i just like i keep my phone on a tether in my pocket because all i i'm constantly i mean uh, you know for better or for worse i'm always on my phone whenever i'm up in the uh up in the tree stand so i got you now how uh what about you what's your setup what's your mobile setup so um, I run a Lone Wolf Custom Gear point five. Um, so I really, really like the hybrid setup. Okay. And I do I do things a little different than most. I because uh, I, I run a two panel method saddle, but I run it over my muddy um, harness. So like my just my regular tree stand harness. Uh-huh. Um, but my muddy my muddy harness it's the one uh, I bought it a long time ago, but it doesn't have any metal metal on metal contact. Uh, okay. which is big for me, especially when say you have to undo your leg straps or something like that. You don't want that metal smacking, um, uh, like your tree stand or something like that. Uh, so, but the reason I do that is there's times where like when you're up in your tree stand and you want to be tethered in with your bridge, you use your saddle. But then like whenever I'm tearing down my setup or putting it up, a lot of the times I don't want my bridge in the way while I'm uh, while I'm setting things up. So I'll just pull my, uh, tether from my, uh, what do you call it? My safety harness up. And then it's, it's a lot safer and it's a lot easier. 
Okay. That's but interesting, then, man. Yeah, and it doesn't add like people are always like worried that it's too much. It's it's literally just putting on a uh, it's it's a really thin harness. You don't even notice it's there. And there's and the other thing it gives you is options um, as far as tree selection because uh, your saddle is going to limit is is going to open up a lot of tree options. But there are times where it limits you because um, sometimes you have to have your tree stand a certain way that doesn't set up for you to use the tree as your cover and uh, I do find myself unhooking sometimes and just hooking my tether in and sitting down like a tree stand at times. So, I got you. Yeah, I mean, I love the point five for that too, man. It's uh, it's been a great setup. I just kind of have an issue sometimes with the uh, cables, like just going around the cables. But I mean, in the heat of the moment, it doesn't really matter. It is. It's really nice for those uh, like weird angle shots, so you can just stand up and take a shot. But, See, um, so I I used to think that about the cables, and then now now my I've come around to like enjoy them because they give me like this barrier to know exactly where my feet are. Okay. And so and, and so like I just lean them right up against there, and I always know exactly where I'm at, and then I can kind of turn using the cables as a guide on my legs. Yeah. No, that's solid. I I mean I kind of regretted not using mine more the first time I actually took it out last year. Because I got the .5 last year, and then I got the fix, and I just started off running the fix, and then, like, I just went with that and kept using it, kept using it, and then when I finally got into using the .5, I was like, oh, damn, like, this is pretty sweet, too, so, yeah, I mean, hats um, off to him for that. I'd say, like, 50% of the guys that run that .5 are, you know, hybrid hunting with it. And so here's the other thing is, um, it's the perfect, it's like the perfect amount away from the tree while still being able to stay covered and stuff like that. Like you, you get those ones that come out further. Um, and I just feel like you're exposing yourself more, um, yeah. than you, than you need to. And the point five keeps you really tight, tucked into the tree and, uh, and still gives you that ability to shoot. See my, my issue with shooting those smaller platforms was a lot of the times I was tilting my body in a way that I wouldn't normally shoot at an angle um uh, when i was shooting from a tree stand so coming from shooting from a tree stand for so many years um uh, it just the learning curve on that i just didn't have time to deal with it and uh, yeah. i really just didn't like that feeling of being at like a, a a cocked angle when i was shooting so yeah i think um i don't know i just gravitated towards it uh i liked having a little bit smaller platform but i think that's the beauty of you know having such a broad variety of products it's like there's something for everybody. I mean, I feel like any anybody you talk to is like, oh well, you know, I use it for this reason or that reason. It's like having confidence in your in your setup is everything. So I, I always uh, enjoy like picking people's brains and seeing you know what they're running and what what yeah. height do you usually uh, hunting at? Are you a two stick guy, three stick? Uh, so I bring three sticks with singulators on them, and okay. I always I always carry um, an extra daisy chain or two. And so, mm -hmm. especially at the base of the tree, if I need to get a uh, second step, because it's a lot safer to do the, uh, you know, an, uh, a two-step or a three-step aider at the uh, base of the tree, yeah, that's what I'll do. But usually I'm getting about 15 foot. Okay. Yeah, that's where I'm, I do most I'm right there. Yeah, I'm right there with you uh, for the most part. I'm between like 12 and 15. And I'm, I'm always looking for the cover, but at the same yeah. time, I'm, I, I would say... Nine out of ten times, I, I'm like 14, 15 foot. I got you. You running singles or the doubles or what? So, actually, I'm running uh, I'm running uh, 
the uh, out on a limb Shikars FXDs last year. Okay. Because I just like I, I like a like a good uh, standoff, like the ones that have more uh, contact points. And then uh, this year I'm going to be running those carbon SSs and see what I think. Okay. Sweet. Yeah, but they look one, like interesting sticks. One of the one of the things that I do to mod my uh, my setup is uh, I take the um, seat and go and buy another one of those uh, those foam seats like you can get from the farm store. And yeah. then so I, I will take it and cut it out the same size as the oversized seat that they give you from Lone Wolf. And then I'll take these big um, stealth strips, like the big, uh, oh, shit, I can't remember how big they are, but the biggest stealth strips that Lou sells, and yeah. then I'll wrap it in that. And it does two things. One, it gives you a knee pad and a seat. But then also it completely silences your seat from ever smacking any metal. Yeah. Yeah, I did the same thing with mine. I just, luckily, I was uh, working one of the shows and I grabbed one of the small .5 seats. It's sitting right here behind me. But I got yeah. my I got my thick cushion for my knees because a lot of times I'll, I'm will i more of like, you know, kneeling down. And then I got the thin one up top for when I want to sit because, I, I mean, they're... Just around here, I just enjoy, uh, you know, leaning into the tree and sitting that way. I feel like I've kind of gradu- I've kind of like always seemed to pick to hunt on the backside of that tree, so mm-hmm. it just works out good. But if the situation's there, I like sitting too. I mean, it's just I have a lot of problems with my lower back, and that's I think that's kind of helped me with the saddle and why I switched over to that direction a little bit more. It was just more comfortable. Yeah, no, but, it's. It's the the uh, people always think you got to do one or the other, and uh, you can do whatever the hell you want, really. And uh, absolutely, nice thing. Yeah. It just gives you options. Not you're not fixed into one thing or the other. No, man. I wanted to ask uh, one of the questions I really wanted to get into is what what's your uh, early season strategy? Like you know, you just mentioned you were putting some cameras out. Um, you know, how many cameras are you running? What do you you uh, you know generally are you looking for more like finding them in velvet or you kind of set up are you more on scrapes what's your game plan so uh yeah so uh basically what what i do is um i run about 40 cams a year and uh a lot a lot of them are sd card cams and i i just got into the cell cam game last year um and i run about five of them i ran four last year and i just got another one so now this year i'm running five but uh I go in and I do my scouting um, in the summer, and I split it up between old spots and new spots. Um, you know, depending on what buck I'm going after. You know, I might have I might have some intel that a buck shows up somewhere early season, and so I'm definitely going to go in there and dissect that spot. You know, down to the core and figure out what I need to do to get into position. But once I figure out where I think his core is or his bedding is, um, I like to find the trails leading out of there and right where they come out and meet up with the other trails that will intersect that generally there's a scrape there on one side of it usually the side that doesn't see as much pressure sometimes there's ones coming out of multiple uh you know lanes there because uh, a lot of times one will be in a, a route to one ag field one will be a route to your acorns you know one might uh you know just be following a transition line you got to get in there and dissect what you're looking at because everything's going to be different if, if it's if it's bedding up on ridges it's way different than if they're bedding in a bottom so you have to get in there and figure out uh where you you have to start from your bed and then backtrack from there 
whereas a lot of guys start from the food and then go in. But for me, I just like to go right to the heart of it and then work out um, and kind of, you know, you, you have your circle and then you have your lines coming out of there. Well, I'm trying to surround that with uh, my cams. And so try and find those scrapes coming out of bedding. And then usually you have a secondary route too where that the next place where multiple trails lead up with that same trail, you're going to have like a secondary spot there where I like to throw cams up too. So usually I have these lines where I'll put one or two leading back in there and I can check that outer one without disturbing that inner one. And a lot of times if I feel as though it's worth hunting, I might go in there and hunt close to that second one. Okay. That's solid, man. How many deer have you killed that you have targeted like that, that way? Um, well, that's the, that's the funny thing is, is I, I never really, uh, used to get into targeting early season that much. And so now, uh, in the past few years, I really got into it. And so I killed that one October 4th on the public bump and dump video. And I did it that exact way. I went in there, scouted his beds, scouted old rub sign that led to like an X of movement. And so you could kind of see where his tra- where all the travel routes were. And then the, the game plan was to just go around the back door because it was pretty close to a parking lot. But they were so used to setting up down where they could see, smell, and hear everything coming. And then they had these escape routes. Well, I just made a big loop around the backside and checked that rub line and, and seeing if anything opened up and once i saw that it was opened up i and i checked that first camera i knew that there was daylighting bucks that's when i headed back in there to that second one and i pushed the envelope a little too hard on it thinking that i thinking i was better than i was at sneaking tight and getting up in there but then uh i utilized kind of my knowledge of deer behavior and uh backed up and ended up shooting one so that that's just like one particular example of how i would target a buck Whereas the one that I killed, the big one I killed last year was on a totally different strategy of uh, setting up over scrapes outside of doe bedding that Mm -hmm. bucks are going to check towards that end of October time frame. And historical data is super huge. You can utilize historical data all the time, but early season, your food sources are going to dictate it a lot more. Whereas when it comes to does and heat, a lot of the time, that's way more annual than your food sources or, uh, you know, like a particular buck bedding in that spot. Because a lot of things can push them out of that spot sometimes early season, whereas when that doe, when they know a doe's coming into heat, it's harder to push them out of there. No, I absolutely agree, man. Um, that's kind of, I didn't realize it until I recently did that podcast with Exodus. Um, but that's a lot of times what I do. Like, it's kind of hard to you know, somebody asks you what your strategy is and you just kind of start talking about it. And I was like sitting back and I'm like, I really do try to focus on the does more than I do where I think the bucks are around that time frame. I feel like my early season is where I kind of struggle. And that's, that's selfishly. I was kind of picking your brain just to like, see, I'm trying to learn too, you know? Well, so um, I, I think where, I think where we're at handicaps is when I was younger, I had plenty of time uh, because mm-hmm. I didn't have, as like the job as demanding and the kids and the side business and all that stuff. So, you know, we have to be very calculated with our time. Right. And so we have to put our time into the best odds. So I take off more time around that dough uh, coming into heat area than I do early season. 
Um, and I also put more time into scouting that time since I'm going to be having more time to go after it. So I will, I will scout early season spots, but like you see some guys that first seven days of the season, like your Jake Bush or something like that, that is their money time, right? That is what they scout for all year. Whereas I, I probably have 20% of my scouting towards that and 80% dedicated to, um, finding doe groups and doe bedding. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I'm, I've always, and it's kind of hard because, you know, like after you get into this game, it's like all these guys, are, oh, well, he's just like a rut hunter. Oh, he just he yeah. just kills deer in the rut. And it's like, oh, well, I mean, I just feel like I, that's just been my bread and butter, man. I just put on the heat around November and late October. But well, there, I think there's nothing proof. you're ever going to do that you're not going to get that from people, man. I like. Oh, you yeah, can, no, no, yeah, I'm just... I'm just kind of getting that, I guess, like, you know, it makes you kind of step back and you're like, all right, well, you know, I want to get better at killing deer early season. So it's like, and realistically, like, you know, we've got for us, like you get, is it one tag in Illinois or two? We get two buck tags in Illinois. Oh, you lucky dog. Well, Well, we only get one. It's good and bad, but. Yeah. Yeah. I I hear you on that too. Um, So I'm like super picky. So. That's really my downfall is like, man, early season comes and I'm like, do I want to end my season like right away? But like this year I'm fully prepared to do it. I just want to, I want to find something. I'd be stoked if I could find a 150 in velvet. Um, that would, I'd be floored, but I'm going to push until I find that 170. And then if I have the 150, then, you know, we'll see how it goes. But I got to, I got to circle back to a point there where, uh, so when I, and I've talked about this on a couple other podcasts, but it goes, it goes along with what, where you direct your focus and your time is, is where you're going to get the most results. And like one year when I, like a couple of years ago, we were having a, our, our second daughter there. And so I was focusing on places very close to the road because she was due in October and wouldn't you know it, both the bucks I killed that year were very close to the road. Right. So, uh, if you put, a lot of your time, focus, and energy into whatever kind of scouting that you really, really want to accomplish. Most of the time, that's what's going to, you know, you're, yeah. you're going to end up, you're going to end up being successful that way because that's what you put most of your time into. And yep. that, that, that actually circles around to a point about mobile hunting, whereas, uh, and even public land hunting, I believe that the reason that a lot of guys aren't successful public land hunting is because they split it up between pr- private and public because, if you you're halfway in halfway out right yeah if you if you think that you have better odds on your private piece your brain naturally reverts to going there during the better times and you naturally revert to throwing more resources at it and throwing more of your time at it even even though you feel like you're you're putting enough time in on public if you're like you said half in half out it's really hard to be consistent and you have to consistently throw everything you have at it because it's harder in most cases, not, not all the time. Uh, you know, there's, there's definitely hard private pieces and not all pieces are created equal. And, um, I don't have the, because I kill them on public, I'm better than everybody mindset, but we all have to agree that when other people can kill the deer, it makes, it adds an element to, uh, to the chase. Right. No, so, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. And so for me, one of the, one of the biggest things that was just like a total switch light bulb switch was, um, I killed a deer and a neighbor didn't want me to shoot it on a private piece a long time ago. And he went up and made problems with the landowner and got me booted off. Well, oh, man. after, 
after that, I totally dedicated myself to 100% public. Like, because before I would kind of split it up and I would have mixed results. Well, once I totally just dove head first and was not willing to accept anything other than shooting a public land buck, that's when I started shooting a lot more public land bucks. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. I love that. I'm sure a lot of people can take a lot from that too. It's, I, I felt the same way last year. I mean, you definitely had me thinking about myself when you were talking because I was kind of half in, half out. I'd scouted more public than I did private. And I just, like, to no avail, that doesn't mean that the quality of deer that I was looking for wasn't there. But, you know, you're like, what do I do? Do I spend it, – it's hard when you're a father, you know, like, because you can't piss off the wife all the time, you know. You're already <laughs> out there. You're already out mine there was, a lot. Mine like was my wife's off before you did the show. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Sorry, man. Well, speaking of that, <laughs> I was I was gonna ask you one final question, and we'll wrap this up. But uh, I think this year I'm I'm gonna dedicate more to to private than public, and the few pieces pieces of public that I do have that I know are good, I'm going to dedicate good time to them too. Instead of casting a net on so many other pieces, just like hold, hold these ones true and treat them just like they're private parcels. And I think it'll work out because they're closer to home. So I can get away with still getting deep into some of these places. And I, I learned a lot last year, especially from scouting this year too. So we'll see how it goes, but man, uh, our final question that we we like to ask a lot of our guys is, what do you think you do differently that, that may separate you from some of the other guys as far as mindset goes? Um, like, what do you what would you say like that sets you apart from the average hunter? Um, well, first of all, I'm a bit obsessive, and I don't there there's not there's not something else. Um, besides my family and I don't have anything else in my life that I allow to take precedence over hunting other than my family um, and work, which to me goes together with family because you're providing for your family. But you have to be, you, you have to be able to uh, be okay with missing barbecues, missing fishing trips. Uh, you have to be okay with um, like, I'm just able to enjoy how bad it sucks putting in the work and I think that's that's like um, if you can get to that point where the shitty work becomes enjoyable to you that that in and of itself will uh, really really help you because but it, it doesn't just happen it takes you constantly putting in the shitty work and seeing the the fruits of your labor and then over time you start to just love because you're so excited to get in there and do the work because you know what's at the end yeah that's spot on man i love that and it is absolutely the truth i feel the same way um you know people are like oh yeah we you must go out and see all kinds of big deer it's like no i just put a lot of work in i'm just persistent and i just don't give up until i find what i'm looking for i mean it's the mindset we all need man just grind it out you know i i always say like um uh like if you saw me on the very first day of the season it's a it's a jumbled mess cluster f of a of like a like i don't look like i even know what i'm doing half the time right <laughs> uh, and and then but i'm just i'm not afraid of that like i know that's going to happen and i'm okay with that 
I'm okay with going on to public and having five guys walk past me if that's what happens. Right. I'm okay. I'm okay with, um, you know, showing up to a parking lot with seven guys. And in my heart, I believe that those guys are helping me instead of hurting me because I'm just going to figure out where they're pushing the deer. So your mindset, I, so basically your mindset has to turn every negative into a positive and figure out a way to uh, make yourself believe that no matter what, your scouting and your work you put in is going to pay off. Like sometimes whenever I run into a bad situation or a miss or a horrible letdown, I, I almost get rejuvenated and like refreshed that I got this this like smack in the face because it woke me up and forced me to push harder. Absolutely, man. Everything... All challenges come with good stuff on the other side of them. I feel like it's and it's very, it's always held true for me, especially with hunting and life. It's like you go through all this bad stuff, and there's greener pastures right around the corner. So stay after them. Don't change what you're doing. You know, sometimes it's good to change what you're doing, but just just uh, <laughs> yeah. just don't give up. That's all it takes, right? Oh, and and also don't ever believe that you know everything because about the time you do, then. Old Mr. Bucky's going to oh, teach yeah. you a lesson. So. Yeah, humble pie <laughs> is a, a sweet treat, isn't it? Yeah, Brian, yeah. what's up? I'm sorry to interrupt you, man. No, I was going to say, uh, you're, you go from hero to zero every year, man. So yep. this is what it is. Spot on. Spot on. Yeah. Hey, how can all of our listeners keep up with you, man? Uh, yeah, check me out at goodsitmobile.com and goodsitmobile on YouTube. And you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at goodsitmobile. And uh, we have... The trail cam mounts uh, for public land. We have the laser level. We have the quick attachment system with the quick attachment hooks. We have the GoPro mount that Justin mentioned. And we have a couple of uh, different size public land legal bow hooks uh, for you guys out there um, that are hammering the public land just like me. Absolutely. Brian, it's been a pleasure, man. You're a, you're a great dude. I'm glad we got this, uh, got this done and got to talk. I'll definitely be uh, keeping in touch with you. And I appreciate you dropping some knowledge for all of our listeners out there. Thanks, brother. Yes, sir. Well, guys, uh, I hope you all enjoyed that one. Catch up with us next week. Look forward to catching up with you. Thanks again for tuning in this week, guys. Really appreciate all the support. Finally starting to get some traction. I hope you can bear with us. I know uh, the last episode didn't go through, but we're working on re-recording that one as we speak. I want to give a huge shout out to Brian. Uh, thank you for, for his time. If you guys haven't, check out goodsitmobile.com. Uh, there's some awesome products on there that are affordable. And there's nothing more we, we appreciate here than supporting a good local guy that's in the industry. So check him out. Another huge shout out to our sponsor, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. If you guys haven't, get online. Check out all the great products we have on there. It's, you definitely will not be disappointed with anything you purchase from them. I'm going to close today's segment out with a quote. I'm not sure who said this one, but uh, I really enjoy this one a lot. Do not be pushed around by the fears in your mind. Be led by the dreams in your heart. Hope that one touches you all today. Hope you all are having a great weekend. Hope you had a great fourth weekend. I know we all did. Look forward to catching up with you all next week. We've got some great content coming, so hang with us. <laughs>